If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base, a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. This is Everything is Personal with Len May. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything is Personal. As always, my trusted Robin Quivers sidekick, the beautiful, handsome, successful, talented Mr. John Small. Welcome. What can I say? Thank you so much with an introduction like that. I can just, I can sign off right now. I've done, I, my I work think you're done. more like the Howard Stern and I'm more like the Robin Quivers, man. Sorry. <laughs> I don't think Either so. Either or it works. I'll take Robin. I'm really excited, man. Today we have a really special episode and a special guest. We rarely have guests, but we have them once in a while and that's because we're we super picky. We're picky, um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Today, I want to introduce a really dear friend of mine, Mr. Zeta Seti. Thank you so much for joining us. The illustrious career that Zeta set, and he's set a path for so many different people. Like, I don't think people realize the amount of, uh, in the cannabis industry, how many people actually Zeta touched. And I don't mean in an inappropriate way. I meant, you know, he touched in terms of uh, giving them a successful career in the cannabis industry. So I'm really excited about having Zeta on and welcome to the show. And maybe you can give a, a little bit of an intro about yourself much better than I can do. Welcome, Thank Zeta. Thank you guys so much. And, and Len, you know, you too as well, man. You've been a great friend throughout the years and you've done some pretty incredible things, you know, for the cannabis industry with your technology and everything that you're doing. Um, yeah, my name is Zeta Seti. I'm the CEO, founder of Green Rush Consulting. Um, you know, our national cannabis consulting firm uh, for the last nine years, you know, going across the country and helping people win licenses, probably about 100 plus licenses across 14 different states and two countries. You know, done a lot of incredible, innovative uh, things in the industry um, and pioneered some you know, great policies, too, as well. And, you know, I really appreciate you guys letting me on the show. This is fabulous. So hopefully uh, everything doesn't get too personal on this one. Well, every, everything does get personal on this one. <laughs> we'll talk about us late. hanging out in Colombia together. That was, uh, that was an right. amazing time. Uh, I don't know how much we want to disclose on that, but we'll leave it uh, rated R. We won't go NC-17 on, on this one. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to say this has been such an amazing win for the cannabis industry, this election. And we usually do a segment where we ask guests three questions. But before I get into that, I just want to kind of get your opinion on uh, you know what happened, and uh, we're strictly talking about cannabis. Nothing doesn't matter what side you're voting on, president, all that stuff. Just from the election and how you see what happened in the election, how does that impact your business? Whoa, uh, well, yeah, I mean, like I've gotten kind of used to it a little bit, just for the fact that we always tried to prepare, you know, around election day because election day is usually something that we see a major change in policy. This year, I mean, we had multiple states that passed 
um, you know, either, you know, medical or adult use bills, right? And, you know, specifically places like Arizona, and then there's New Jersey, there's South Dakota, there's Mississippi. I mean, all these different states passing just shows, um, you know, that cannabis is just reaching its pinnacle point of hopefully federal legalization within the next, you know, while. So, I mean, in terms of how it's affecting our business, we are just super slammed, super busy, um, fielding, you know, more entrepreneurs that are wanting to get into the space. And, and every single time this happens, it's always like more and more and more and more. I mean, I'm watching my analysts just spike like crazy and our phones are just ringing off the hook. And there's a lot of, lot of folks that are just really, truly interested in, in getting involved. And, you know, for me, as, as, as being in the industry for about 25 years or just in the last decade, just seeing the transition of this over and over and over again. I mean, it's just wild. Right. And so with these many states passing, I think it's just um, a paradigm shift into the future of of what we can see. And what we're all working very hard to do and have, um, you know, since the beginning. And it's really a testament to the forefathers of the cannabis industry, um, you know, back in, you know, obviously you know, in, in, in California and in Prop 215, uh, really just pushing the envelope. Right. And taking the course to the next level. So I think that's just incredible. And, and I'm really really excited about the future of cannabis and where we're heading. Yeah, I kind of lied and said that I'm going to ask that question and I move into our regular three questions, but I'm just so curious about this. So I'm going to ask you one more follow-up question on that, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. I know that you're super busy and you get emails and calls from everywhere now with all these states are coming on online. I'm sure people are like, holy shit, because I get emails and I get people on LinkedIn hitting me up. I'm not even, that's not even the part of the business that I'm in. How do you qualify somebody? Like, how do you know they're not full of shit when they reach out to you? What are some of the things that you do to make sure that somebody is serious or whatever you do up front so you don't waste your time? Because I'm sure that that's a huge commodity time in your industry. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it really takes, you know, getting on a call with them, figuring out like what their background is, what their, how serious they are. Uh, we really try to, you know, front load that by asking certain questions like, what is your budget, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, because there's a lot of risk in the, involved in this industry. And if you're not prepared, you know, to go and, you know, uh, basically get on a roulette table and lay down, you know, on a number, you know, and and because the risk is, is, is high, right? So you have to be comfortable with spending X amount of money and losing it because there's no guarantees in winning a license for, per se, right? Typically, we will like try to front load as many questions as possible. But when we get there to the stage of, okay, we're ready to move forward, we actually get on a call and try to figure out like what their background is, what, where are they located, what's their passion, what's their drive, and most importantly, what's their story, hmm. right? Because if they have a great reason why they're doing it, then more than likely, they're going to have the drive, the ambition to create a su- successful business. You know, and, and make sure that they have everything what it takes to actually win that license. So uh, we really try to front load that as much as possible. But quite honestly, Len, I mean, with so many, it's like a fire hose going on right now. Yeah, exactly. right. For five states, right? Yeah. So we can't get everybody, and that's okay because not everybody's going to you know have that drive and ambition to to go through this process or even do it successfully. But more importantly, is that you know there's so much demand and not enough experts. I've been trying to figure out a way, how do I like, you know, aggregate this and really like make it to where you can streamline it through the use of technology, which we have been working on, you know, significantly over the years, trying to figure out how to streamline it and, you know, and allow more folks to enter the industry, lowering the barrier of entry, um, you know, making it to where more people can apply that have that dream. Cause you never know who's that person that's locked out, you know, and they're not able to actually participate because of one reason or another, and they're kind of left behind. 
And that person might have found or might have been the person to find the new discovery in cannabis, you know, whether it be a new type of um, a cannabinoid or a new type of strain or a new type of business operation. And so we really try to figure out how do, how do we lower that barrier of entry to right. allow more folks to participate. And so, you know, in my, in my opinion, I just think it's really about a, a good quality control process for us, at least, to really just make sure we determine the right people that, you know, one, deserve it and two, that have the ability to do it. Yeah, I, I love that approach because I, to me, being in it for 25, 30 years, whatever it is, it's a, it actually is the story and it's, it's the passion because mm-hmm. it's so hard. This business is so fucking hard. It's hard for everybody. And everybody thinks, you know, not not to use the pun of green rush because that's you, but everybody's like, it's a green rush. I'm going to be a billionaire all of a sudden. Guess what? This shit is hard. All right. Mm-hmm. So when it gets hard, if you don't have a passion for it, and you can see all these companies everywhere, the Canadian companies, and every, it's, a, it's a big money grabs or making money, making money. But when shit goes down, it really starts to snowball. Because that passion of the reason why you got into this in the first place, mm-hmm. what it is that you're trying to do, how are you trying to impact the world, your community, whatever it is with you know this amazing plan, that allows you to get over those hurdles when it gets really hard. So, I mean, I really appreciate you, you bringing that up because I yeah. think that's a huge, huge catalyst in success that I've seen over the years for, for sure. Can the small business still get into it? Like, I feel like the green rush <clears throat> was a thing early on in cannabis when, when everything started opening up and it would, there was this exuberance and everybody was rushing, go West young man and whatever manifest destiny. But you know, it's become more of a serious business now. And I, I wonder if the same opportunities still exist for kind of like a small business owner to kind of break into the industry. Now, do you think there still is that opportunity for people like that? Man, I think they're, I think they're absolutely, I mean, see, it's just a matter of how much you limit your possibilities, quite honestly, to answer that question. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that at the end of the day, we're seeing more banking institutions, financial institutions come online. Like, even though you're not able to get, um, you know, when I first started, it was like only private investment, high net worth individuals, very few select people that are going to you know, invest and take the risk in cannabis um, and see that like long-term opportunity. Uh, but now we're seeing a lot more of the aggregation of that, right? So I think that in terms of the answer to the question, yes. And like, you don't need to actually open up a dispensary or do manufacturing or do cultivation to get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be an ancillary business that's already based upon your own professional background right. and come in and start serving people and find problems or sorry, find solutions to the problems in the industry, right? And so a lot of folks, I divert to that because they either don't have one thing or the other or what it takes to really go through a really rigorous and challenging process that can end yield no results, right? In terms of winning a license. I end up, you know, trying to find different ways of just saying, okay, if this happens for any reason you go through this, well, here's kind of like your backup plan. And, you know, this backup plan, you can also automatically default to and start now. You're not, you're not have to wait for anything. You don't have to wait for any of this stuff. You don't even have to wait for legalization in your state. You can actually get started right now and, and be in an ancillary business, whether through a technology or this, that, and the other, and be able to support these businesses and get more experience and more education, which is like really important. Um, it's probably yeah. one of the number one things. Yeah. I, I mean, I know, I know accountants, uh, friends of mine who were like, 
I'm an accountant. I might as well specialize in cannabis accounting and right uh, lawyers. Uh, it's the same thing. R, yeah, and R and D research now. The government is giving you back an R and D. So they're like, oh, we're going to approach cannabis companies to try to get R and D tax credits because that's our niche. So I think that's really important for people to understand. There's room for everybody as long as you have a niche. I, I always tell people, like people say, well, you know, how do I get into cannabis space? I'm like, well, what do you do? What do you do now? Yeah. Whatever it is, what do you like to do? Why don't you take that and apply that to the cannabis space? It doesn't necessarily, as Zeta said, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a dispensary. It doesn't mean you have to have a farm because uh, all that is, the, you know, different skill sets. And people think it's really easy to grow weed. It is easy to grow weed. It's very difficult to grow consistently good quality product that's going to be scaled. Uh, and that's that's where people start, you know, looking. All right. I, I grew a couple of plants in my apartment and they were great. So now I'm going to buy a couple of acres and grow, you know, cannabis and they're in for a uh, a big surprise and what happens all the time. There's going to be room for people. You know, there's Anheuser-Busch and there's craft breweries, but I still go back to that passion thing. Yeah. So yeah. If you have, you have the passion. passion, if you really, really want this, uh, you'll figure out a way and then you'll educate yourself and you'll find people around you like Zeta that can actually help guide you as a professional and hold your hand through the process of the things that you may not be really skilled at because they can fill those gaps for you that you may not know. All right. By the way, for those uh, people that cannot see us or just listening to pod, Zeta looks so sharp. It's yeah. really I'm almost. I almost it's feel like I want to go upstairs and change. Sorry, Zeta. I didn't realize it was a formal. T-shirts and Zeta's got. <laughs> it looks this, cool. This really sharp. You never know who's listening, man. Yeah. <laughs> you never know who's watching. Right. You're right. You're right. Man, You're absolutely. It's a good, it's a good point. I mean, we're kind of cash. Yeah. I'm, I'm wearing my mine. dorky Doctor Spock DJ shirt. <laughs> I mean. I got my I got my Rage Against the Machine. Oh, that's pretty today. cool. Yeah, that is cool. So it's it's got the gas mask that's uh, appropriate for uh, you know COVID. Yeah, I love that man. But anyway, let's go through our three questions, uh, Zeta, and get you on your way because I know you're you're busy fielding thousands of calls for your services. So, first question, really simple. Describe your first experience with cannabis, if you remember. Whoa, uh, that goes back. Um, to when I was probably, I would say 12 years old, 12 or 13 years old. And it was interesting because at the time, you know, I was, I was smoking cigarettes, right. <laughs> and I, like a bunch of kids. So, you know, as, as a bunch of kids, we would go out to these like remote areas and, uh, you know, just kind of like feel like rebels. Right. right. And we were sitting there and it was not, not too far away from like any, you know, apartment complex or something like and uh, I remember sitting there and, and we we're smoking cigarettes and this guy comes up and he's like, and this, this older guy comes up to us. It's probably about four of us. And we're just sitting there just, you know, having a cigarette or whatever. And the guy comes up and he's like, he's like, why are you guys smoking cigarettes? Mm-hmm. Right. He's like, what do you, what do you, do you have any idea how, what that's doing to you? And he's like, fuck smoking cigarettes, man. Smoke weed. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> And then he walks away and we're all looking at each other like, fuck him. Right. And then my buddy, though, he pulls out a joint. He's like, yeah, he's let's smoke, let's smoke a fucking joint. Right. So this is the first time I ever do it. So we're all like, OK, let's just try it out. And so um, I ended up we ended up smoking, you know, this joint. And, you know, what's interesting about that, Len, is that, you know, because I've never smoked weed before, I couldn't really tell the difference. I didn't feel like I was stoned, like, or any of that kind of stuff. I couldn't really tell the difference of what, of what of the way I felt before to the way I felt. I just felt like I was very, like, zoned out. 
Right. Mm. And um, I ended up going back. I ended up going back home and, and sitting there and then coming back home. And, you know, my parents were there or whatever. And I was sitting on the couch and just kind of staring into oblivion or something. And my father asking me, what's going on with you? <laughs> right. And he was like, he was like, why are your eyes so glassy? Oh, man. Right. And I just didn't have an answer. Right. I'm like, oh, I'm fine, Dad. I'm fine. He's like, are you sick or something? And I'm like, no, Dad, I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. But I really, truly couldn't tell the difference between like, you know, if I was stoned or not. Right. right. But that was a quite an interesting experience because after that, after I started smoking weed and, mm-hmm. and you know, just, you know, not on a constant basis, but, you know, more, I started realizing the difference. Right. So I almost got busted, you know, but I think that, uh, I think that it was, I think it was all right. You know, so that was a pretty interesting one, you know, to get the difference yeah. between, you know, have someone come up and tell us that. And then, you know, my buddy having a joint of some, you know, Mex- you know Mexican, you know, commercial right. weed from, from Mexico, <laughs> I shifted over. So it wasn't like any great, uh, you know, super, super kind, but or anything, but it was yeah, like that's, CD yeah. commercial weed back in, that's funny. God, yeah, it was a long time ago. So I'm 43. So it's like, that was a long time ago. 80s 80s yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's a very similar experience to mine if you if you heard but i i had a, a same similar cigarette experience that was my very first one somebody put weed in a cigarette and i wasn't sure what high felt like but everything when i went back to class all the windows in my head started to slow down i was kind of zoned in and zoned out from distraction so mm-hmm. but i must say that it was probably close to the same time as you maybe a little bit earlier than that because i'm i'm a little older mm-hmm. but uh the weed was not the same and you're talking about the, like the mexican you're, you're yeah. looking at maybe five seven percent thc you know right he's under 10 so yeah you're not john had probably some really good kind but in his first experience that's why he had uh, if you listen to the show if anybody goes back you'll you'll mm-hmm. hear john's first experience <clears throat> doesn't it, sound like you were saying it wasn't this. pleasant no <laughs> but mine was still i knew i knew something was different i was like okay can i go to the hospital now uh, but it, Nathan's hot dogs yeah, saved the day. That's yeah. it. I, then I got starving. So I had all the, the different stages from being terrified yeah. to kind of chilling out and like enjoying it and then being absolutely ravenously hungry. All right. Well, so next question is we're music guys. I know you're a big music guy too. So mm-hmm. uh, we always talk about, is there a song or album that sort of uh, goes that you think of as you go to either you like to, consume cannabis too, or that enhances uh, the album, even if uh, when, when you're consuming cannabis. So like uh, music and cannabis kind of go together. Is there an album or, or a song that you like to listen to either when you consume or vice versa that you listen to and it makes you think about consuming cannabis? I mean, I, 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 I mean, I don't want to default to this in any way, but more or less it would be a genre mm-hmm. and it's always reggae music. It's always right. Yeah. See, as a musician that I played, I've been playing drums for 25 years, right? And I, I love music and I love using cannabis for recording and, and um, you know, doing creative things in music um, specifically. Now, I usually don't smoke cannabis before I get on stage and play, right? I usually do that just sober. But when right. it comes down to like creative, uh, doing streams of consciousness with playing and the creative arts, like absolutely 100%. But for some reason, like, I don't know why, like based on that question, I always like come back to like, okay, I could put on reggae music and it's a total synonymous thing for some reason. I don't even know for some reason, because most of that, most of the people playing that are high. And when they wrote it, they were high. It seems like it's just, 
it's the music. And, I, of, and they sing about getting high. So, yeah. I mean, it's definitely it's it's one of my favorite. It's not like you're saying, cl- it's I not mean, like you're saying really Beethoven. Good. For some reason, it's Beethoven. I don't know why. Like, <laughs> They're sending you subliminal yeah. messages. Bob is telling you, <laughs> light up, light up another yeah. joint. Right. No, yeah. Right. Reggae music it's, is just, it's the music of getting high. Yeah, it is, man. It like, it's the perfect honest, rhythm. I'm like, I yeah. want to smoke a joint, man. Or like, it's, you know, call it cliche, call it what you want, but. That's just, I just feel that way, right? It doesn't mean I, I don't smoke weed to almost every music that you possibly right. can imagine. But I think that at the end of the day, it's that's something that just immediately clicks, right? Yeah, for, yep. for sure. And it converted, look at, look at Snoop, man. He, he went to Jamaica and became Snoop Lion. He's like, fuck that. I'm, I'm going to make a reggae album. So yeah. it's it actually not bad. So I can, I can definitely see that. By the way, I just have to preface and, and tell people, if you don't mind, that uh, when we were in Colombia, Zeta joined the band. And played bongos and man, oh, cool. got, the entire place was dancing. Everybody uh, was chilling, listening to music until you got on and like got everybody up. That was just an amazing experience. I think I have a video of that somewhere. That's yeah, I, I thought that was incredible too. I was just sitting there, led. I was sitting there at the dinner table, right? We're we're having dinner, and I heard that this one, um, you know, conga, right? That the yeah. guy was playing. I was like, man, that sounds so good, right? And I just had this urge. I was like, it's just like it's undeniable urge just to go over there and want to start jamming and i don't know what it was maybe you know the drinking or whatever it was but oh, i just want to go there and rock man and so that's just like that feeling that you get that yeah. you, you want to do that and so as everybody starts stepping up or whatever i just went over there i was i was letting them finish the song and i just immediately walked up to the guy i was like hey man is there any way i can play your drums man <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's he was cool. like yeah sure no problem no problem right so he let me get up there and start raging with him for a little bit until, you know, finally the guy, all, all of them were starting to realize that, Hey, he's not that bad of a drummer. And so, yeah, it was a lot of fun, but I always had my eyes closed most of the time playing facing forward, not facing outward towards the yeah. crowd. So by the time I opened up my eyes, like literally the whole room is passed. Yeah. Right. And so that was, that was a lot of fun, man. I had a great, it was time. such an amazing memorable experience. Like that, that whole time spending with you and, and Sam and uh, Mike, like, we, yeah. we really bonded it so i i really i miss hopefully after covid we can do that again and I, yeah that'd be incredible and see each other i want to come COVID. can you can yeah. you invite well, me yeah yeah thank john you. you're gonna have to hang with us man i gotta we, go to we, columbia yeah we can hang hard it's gorgeous so, yeah it's, it's amazing we had a beautiful experience next question what has cannabis meant in your life you know most importantly i think one of the most important <clears throat> that it's brought to me is freedom um, you know, I think that there's, you know, the freedom of just self-expression, the freedom of, you know, uh, medicine, the freedom of just fighting for something that's, that's important to fight for. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I think just like you led, like uh, in earlier careers and being in the industry for like so long that we have, um, it wasn't always this comfortable, should I say. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, where, <laughs> it was highly oh, yeah, uncomfortable. I mean, when I first came out, I was worried because, you know, I had like, you know, my site online, you know, I was driving significant results of Google. I'm sitting there thinking, like, the DEA has got to be watching me, right? Right. Uh, I'm like the perfect DEA freaking bloodhound to go find people that are applying for licenses and starting illegal cannabis businesses. I'm like, you know, the crutch between the two, right? Like bringing from people from the dark to the light in a sense. But I mean, just, but doing that, I mean, like that's what it means. It means, you know, freedom to be able to do these kinds of things. It's really given me the, the, the push and the ambition to not be afraid. And, you know, and I think that's, that's really, really important um, uh, for, for anybody getting into the cannabis industry is to not be afraid and um, really coming in, 
uh, to this, you know, it, it means a great deal, you know, for the fact that like we're continuing to do this. And even if the Fed, we have federal legalization tomorrow, we still have the world yeah. to educate and, 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 and help them understand like that cannabis is not this, you know, this drug that's killing people all, you know, or, or doing, you know, any of this stuff that they claim to be back in the eighties right. with the, you know, uh, just say no campaign, right. Yeah, or even right. before that, and that's really helped me sort of define, um, you know, myself too, as well. Yeah. Um, you know, it's also helped me, you know, just bridge the gap between, uh, a multiple, multiple different creative artistic and strategic ideas and, and really help me innovate, you know? So I don't, you know, I don't look at as smoking cannabis and just having a great time all the time. It's, I mean, it's great. You know, and it helps people relate and different things like that. But for me, it's it's really just about that, right? The freedom to do X. And I, I think that's very important. And it's really, really critical that people, you know, are able to do that, right? Yeah. Other than that, for we're sure. suppressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Great, great. And it's clear, based on this election, it's clear who won the war on drugs. Come on. I think we can actually declare, uh, I'm not ready I'm not ready to leave, uh, you know, yet, but we can declare that we won uh, the same You will concede. That, yeah. You will concede yeah, well, that we won. Well, well, no, I'm waiting for the other side to concede. We, we won. We won. So the oh, other side won. hasn't conceded yet. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very clear. Uh, we're on the way to victory, but uh, definitely you can see the countries, uh, especially states like Mississippi and like conservative states. The Dakotas? I mean, come I on. Really? You know, we're going to start moving into this direction. It's very, very clear. So mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely appreciate that. All right. I have one bonus question uh, for you. This is a fun one. If you can remember, mm-hmm. uh, you got to rack your brain a little bit, but uh, try to ask people to describe their room growing up. What did that look like, your room when you were growing up? Room when I was growing up. Oh, like, were there wow. posters in the wall? Was there like any uh, penance? Was there anything music wise or anything Mm -hmm. you can remember? Yeah. I mean, when I was growing up, I was really, I mean, again, it was like the late eighties, early nineties when I was growing up. Yeah. I was like really into metal, but I was really into the grunge scene. Um, like Nirvana posters. I had, um, you know, maybe a Hendrix poster. I had, uh, you know, just multiple different posters on my wall. But most of the time, I wasn't really wasn't spending time in my room. Most of the time, yeah. I was spending time in my buddy's house where I could actually smoke weed, yeah. party, because <laughs> mom let him do it, right? And plus, my yeah. drums were set up there, oh, right? Nice. So most oh, of the time, yeah. I didn't really spend too much time in my room, late, quite honestly. I mean, I had some stuff in there, but, you know, it wasn't like I spent a lot of time in my room like, like most teenagers do. I spent time from the ages of like 14 on yeah, going right. to my buddy's house, hanging out over there, partying. <laughs> yeah. Wherever Doing your drums like are, that, right? Yeah. And not really right. paying too much, too much attention to school. I mean, just kind of like going to school, going over there, practicing four or five hours a day, then coming home, eating dinner, going to sleep. Um, you know, so it wasn't like I was spending a lot of time in my room, but I tell you what, like those are some of the things I can remember yeah. about having in my room. You know, and then just, you know, it was like a normal room, really. It wasn't, it wasn't anything special. Yeah, no, that's that's mm-hmm. great. That's, that gives us a person. My, mine was very similar. Like, uh, I was a little bit younger, but I had like a Van Halen poster and I had a Bruce Lee poster and all that. And I would escape my house as quickly as I possibly could. But one thing that you brought up 
which is a good segue for something that John and I were going to talk about, Nirvana. Uh, one of the things that John and I are going to talk about today is covers. And I just remember, you just uh, reminded me that Nirvana has one of my favorite covers of all time. They mm-hmm. did a Lead Belly cover. Song, Where Did You Sleep Last Night? If anybody, I know John is not a big blues guy, but if you want to listen to true Kurt Cobain at his greatest moment of lyrical passion, super connected to the song on the unplugged version. Uh, it's Lead Belly's Where Do You Sleep Last Night. I would like to share that as a cover. It's not on my list, but it's an, an amazing, amazing cover of uh, a Lead Belly song. Zeta, brother, thank you so much you. Uh, for joining thank us. Thank you so much, uh, man. Where can people uh, find you? Where can people contact you? Where can people get some of your wisdom? Yeah, absolutely. So our, our website is www.greenrushconsulting.com. So it's greenrushconsulting.com. Um, you know, and so that's, you know, where they could find us in our services and our business. Uh, it's just really taking off right now, especially with these five states passing and lots of action happening. I could see a huge, you know, super packed year. And by the way, I mean, just because, you know, now that New Jersey's passed, you know, New York is yeah, right man. behind it, right? Oh, yeah. New York is like... All these states, like it was like New York, New Jersey, and Illinois, all of them were competing against each other, right? And saying, oh, you did it first? Oh, no, 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 no. I don't think right. so. Like kind of thing, yeah. right? Yeah, so, Pennsylvania <laughs> too. Uh, Philly's going to, Pennsylvania's going to go. So that- Pennsylvania too, yeah. So, I mean, we can only start seeing this domino effect, right? So, um, which which we've already seen. So, you know, I think that's fabulous. So that is our, that is our company, Green Rush Consulting. Uh, reach out to us anytime. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Brother, awesome. love you, man. Thank you so much for Thanks for being you. on the show, brother. Yeah. I cannot wait to see you in person. I know. Hang out, man. Hopefully right. Soon. Well, I'll be in LA. I'll be in LA, you know, at the beginning of the year. So uh, we'll be Dude, able to let's, let's hang for sure. For sure. All right, guys. Thanks, All right, brother. brother. All right. Thank All you. That was fun. That was great, man. Love that guy. I love the energy that he brings, man. Yeah. It's just so, so cool. It's, it's cool to have a different perspective on things too. When, uh, you know, we have, we have people like athletes on, we have people that are entertainers, but sometimes there can be somebody who's a cultivator who's in the business, but he gets to really see everybody. It's like, he's got a horizontal offering. So it's anybody and everybody, the ancillary businesses and the, you know, then you have, you know, real cannabis business. Plus he's a music guy. And he's, yeah, we love him. And he's an OG, you know, he's, he's been there from the beginning. A lot of these new guys, cats getting in there and making a buck off of these guys like you and him that have been there from the beginning, you know? <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. We have uh, two things that I really want to get to. I'll give you a choice what you want to do first. Uh, you want to talk about covers or do you want to talk about travel? Let's, uh, I don't know. Let's, uh, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to roll the dice. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> covers for a minute. Yeah, let's talk about covers. Let's do it, man. So I had an idea, an epiphany. I was listening to a song and I'm like, man, this is an amazing cover. I don't even think people know that this was a cover. Right. Like, sometimes the cover is just... better than the original, right? Yeah, some, exactly. And sometimes it's like, uh, so I thought maybe we can have a, an interesting segment about best and worst cover songs. There were so many bad ones. So many bad so ones. It was so difficult to come up with the worst. It was much easier to come up with the best because there's so many amazing ones. Uh, and I just, uh, so for me, I have the worst then I have a one A of the worst. So as a bonus worst, because it's it's so bad, it's great. That's right. what how that's, that's how, how bad it is. Right. So I wanted to share that there's three links to one song. 
Okay. And the reason why I'm doing it is it's a cover of a cover of a cover. And I want to introduce people to the three different versions that I think are amazing. And I'm not sure people know that this was actually a cover song. All right. This is our first, and we'll tell you what it is right after we play it. So here we go. Yes. <laughs> I get goosebumps. Yeah, he's I, that's so soulful. I've never so heard his version of it. That's beautiful. Yeah, version. that's Chris Cornell doing a version of Nothing Compares to You was a Sinead O'Connor song. Now, are we sure that Nothing Compares to You was originally a Sinead O'Connor song? No, no. You'll see that as an okay. next link. That's the surprise. <laughs> that's the surprise, Absolutely. right? But most people think I know. it's a Sinead O'Connor song. Just like they think, right? yep, and we're going to we're going to reveal exactly. here. Exactly. Okay. It's a big reveal. It's a big <laughs> exactly. reveal. Man, okay. Chris Cornell can do nothing in my in my eyes. Can do nothing wrong. I mean, what a I uh, love what a tragedy. I was at the forum in L.A. Uh, seeing Temple of the Dog, which is uh, guys from uh, Soundgarden and Pearl Jam, right before Chris passed. A few months after that, and then I saw one of my favorite concerts of all time was Chris Cornell solo at the Disney Concert Hall, which is uh, wow. You know, they play classical music, and he he played by himself and brought his daughter up and did covers and not only beautiful musicianship, but the way he interacted with the crowd was such honesty and such, he was so grateful. And uh, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I can go on and on, but beautiful, beautiful human being and, and left us with, you know, a tremendous amount of uh, music and, and really made a humongous difference in people's lives. So, you know, rest in power, but yeah, let's go to the next uh, link really briefly. So people understand where, that song came from, and then we'll go to link number three to give people the big reveal. The reveal. All right, this is exciting. <laughs> All right, here we go. Number two, nothing compares to you. It's been seven hours and 15 days 
It's amazing. She did such that gave me the job. chills. I mean, that's like an iconic video. If you can watch that video of that, that yeah, close up of absolutely. her singing with yeah, her, she's with got her no husband. hair and she's yeah. just her and she's got a she's so beautiful and just yeah. God, I wonder how old she is in this. She must be like not even twenty. She's so oh young. yeah, she's early twenties, must yeah. be. But she so the person that actually wrote the song, which we're gonna play in a minute, thought that emotionally connected that this would be a better song for Sinead than for himself. Uh, so he gave it to her because he thought that she would do a much better job. Yep, and that's incredible because this person is uh, a very un- a very selfless act from this person who is probably one of the greatest songwriters of all time. So here we go. Uh, absolutely. And, and musicians and performers and, and guitar perform- players yeah. and you name it. One of the greatest musical beings that ever was. So, yeah. so from, here we to go. Me. To represent. that video because it's old footage of prince that was prince sorry did i just ruin the reveal no that was you <laughs> you revealed it if you didn't <laughs> you ruined it. i ruined it that was prince that was prince for those of you who couldn't tell i mean you can i mean yeah if you can't tell that then bars. then you don't <laughs> yeah i mean that's incredible you wrote that song and gave it to sinead and honestly her version is is good <laughs> it might be better I, I i've never heard a a version of his that's as good as sinead's or chris cornell's for that matter but um not that he probably couldn't have pulled it off but he was just very generous it's just like manic monday right he gave that to um, yeah to the, to the bangles the bangles the bangles i yeah. saw them uh, played an 80s uh concert reunion and they were still incredible and still like look good and everything so that's a great example of, of a cover where the cover is actually better than the original I don't know if I have one that's better than the original, but one of my favorite covers is of a song. I won't even tell you the song because if you don't know this song, I don't know where you've been. And, and you can guess the band. They have pretty original sounds. Mm. 
is that Whippet really good? <laughs> yeah, that's that Devo? Devo with Can't Get No Satisfaction. <laughs> yeah, I heard that before. Fantastic. I, I mean, I it's kind it. of an amazing interpretation. It's such an I, 80s. I love it. I yeah. love it. It's, I mean, Devo is so unique. When you hear it, it's like, it's Devo. You can't mistake that for anybody else, for sure. Now, here is the worst version of that song that I have ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I guess I don't need to tell our audience who actually did the original. So obviously, the, one of the maybe great we Rolling, do. Yeah, the Rolling Stones. I can't get no satisfaction. It's it's funny. It's always called. It's always in parentheses. I can't get no, and then satisfaction. Yeah. Let me play the worst version I have ever heard of that song. And I, am, I gotta get. Um, uh, damn, Canva is the simple design tool. <laughs> Is that Britney Spears? Yeah, it is. This is Britney oh, yeah, Spears. I just guessed that. It. Yes. it sounded like Britney Spears to me. I never heard that before, but it definitely sounded like Britney Spears. I mean, Nick. Ch- <laughs> I mean, I don't know how how Mick. And Keith Richards let her do that, but yeah. they, he must have been. They must have been paying a it, lot just, of money. It's just so funny how she tries to sexualize everything that she like sings. This was in the "Oops, I Did It Again" days. I think this was really yeah. early Britney. It sounds exactly like that kind of thing. Uh, well, you know what? My worst is very, very, very similar to that worst. And I was thinking of a, a Britney uh, cover, but then I was like, you know what? I was listening to. Well, you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to ruin the setup. Uh, why don't you play it and then, then I'll set it up. Uh, All right. This one. That, yeah, enough it, of that. it probably wouldn't be that bad if I didn't know it was a cover of Comfortably Numb by Pink Floyd, which just makes it horrendous because that's like one of the great rock songs. And it has this, the mood could not be any different. Scissor Sisters actually not bad. By yeah. the way, this was Scissor, Scissor Sisters. Sisters doing uh, Comfortably Numb, as you said. As a dance group, like I think they're really good. The mood and the tone and the meaning of the song, like if it just reminds me of... Uh, I know this is the wrong video and the wrong image, but like Bob Geldof in the wall, if anybody ever watches it and you can see, you can see the guy in pain and all that comfortably numb, like listen to lyrics and, and visualize it. And then they make it a dance song. Yeah. So I completely disconnected. 
from that. Um, I do have a quick bonus, and this is just because it's so, so bad, it's incredible. William Shatner. Uh, <laughs> I was going to put a, this on my list. Okay, this is like the classic worst cover. Yeah. So when I was when I was at Tower Records back in the day, I had, it was a very, very limited release, uh, CD that's a, a holographic, you move it and it, it like changes. So I had this image of William Shatner doing covers and the entire album is just fantastic because I don't know what he was on at the time. It was and what, why yeah. he decided to just talk over these amazing, amazing songs and, and cover them. But uh, this is one of uh, it, it my favorite. Yeah, this is considered one of the worst covers of all time. And yet it's <laughs> it's so bad that it's good. It really is. In a boat on a river with tangerine trees and marmalade skies. Somebody calls you, you answer quite slowly. A girl with kaleidoscope eyes. Cellophane flowers of yellow and green towering over your head. Look for the girl. With a sun in her eyes? I, I don't think I can take it anymore. And she's gone! Alright, you're gone. Alright. I mean come on. That that was what was that? What can you I was just imagining like you buy this record and you just put it on and just you listen to that and you're just like, oh, this so is good. incredible. I mean, it's 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 as a joke. It's funny. I don't know if he was really doing it as a joke, because no, if you no, look at the cover of the rap, serious. it's called The Transformed Man. And it's like it's serious. Like he's serious. This, I guess yeah, this is like performance art for him. Yeah, he, he lives not far away from me. So I used to see him once in a while. Like he wears this uh, sweatsuit and he's got two Dobermans. Oh, wow. And he's got a guy that walks Dobermans like he walks. Then he's got a guy that's walking Dobermans and. Yeah, he's seen the neighborhood. I think he's a he's definitely a strange man, um, I, I, to say the least. But this was you know during his heyday that he made this record. Yeah. I mean, this was not it's, it's a incredible. recent cost. What does he do now? Cost Priceline or whatever he does. This is well. This I is think like he's got some uh, Star yeah, Trek he's got some show and some network about conspiracies and UFOs. Right. And some yeah, I mean, but Shatner and this is this is Star Trek Shatner. This is Shatner yeah, at his at his Shatner. at his peak. Well, yeah, he was yeah. the ladies' man and all that stuff. But, yeah. I mean, what a fantastic album. I highly, highly recommend to anybody that really wants to laugh or maybe, yeah. you know, maybe, I, I maybe, like it. Maybe it's good to get high to. That would be funny if we ever had a guy on the show and you, you asked, you know, what is your favorite record to get high to? <laughs> Actually, The Transformed like, Man by William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, that was fun. I could keep doing. I actually had like ten ready to go, but you know we can't keep doing this. But when you really start thinking about it, there's some really great, amazing covers, and then there are some that are just why did they do this? Well, here's here's my suggestion because we have that have you heard segment. So maybe one day we'll do a have you heard cover. Yes, uh, and hopefully I can surprise you. You kind of surprised me with the Devo one because I didn't hear that before, but I knew. it was Oh Devo. really? Okay, yeah. that's I, cool. I didn't hear it. 
Yeah, so that was that was really oh, good. good. I'm glad. Well, Chris Cornell, I hadn't heard either, so you surprised me. So there, right, this is how we, we surprise so each it other. Was a, it was sort of a "Have you heard?" It was. Segment it was. It was, a, it was a hybrid. I want to talk about places to travel. Mm. I want to bring it up for a couple of different reasons and, and cannabis related. And then we can make a, a longer segment if this is a, of interest to people, but it's kind of an interest to me. So I wanted to ask you places that you travel to, what were some of your favorite places to travel to or where you, where you would go back and worst places. And if you had any travel cannabis experiences, uh, that you want to share. You know, uh, you know me and my travel and cannabis experiences. <laughs> well, the best place I ever went uh, is Bali. Um, wow. Just the most beautiful place I've ever seen in my life. The culture is so incredible there. The people are wonderful and it's just flowers and happiness. And I just loved Bali. You know, I spent a lot of time in Asia in my life. I lived in Asia for a while. So I've traveled in Asia quite a bit. And honestly, the worst place, and this is a little bit unfair because I, I haven't been there since the year 2000, so that's 20 years ago, but Beijing, China was perhaps my least favorite place on earth to have ever gone. I mean, I, I, I had like almost like a, a nervous panic attack when I was there because as soon as you get off the plane, at least at that time, the air was so bad, the quality of the air was so bad that you can barely breathe, you know, and they call, wow. and you start getting this cough, which now sounds even more ominous because of COVID. But at the time they called it the Beijing cough. And it, my friend who was living there at the time was like, oh, you just have the Beijing cough, you know, which is just, you're just breathing the pollution. And it was just oh. really terrible. And I just felt like I couldn't escape it. It was like, even the, the air conditioning wasn't great. So it was like, there was just yeah. always that smell in the air. Anyway, I did not love Beijing, China. I liked the, I went to other places in China that I liked, but Beijing to me was terrifying and polluted yeah. and just an awful place. Do not recommend it. I, I know a lot of people love Shanghai, and I went to the southwest of China, which was gorgeous. So anyway, those are my two. Now, as far as bringing cannabis. Or acquiring it there, or did you have any? Yeah, let that? me think of when. Uh, you go first, because I'll have to, I have to, okay. re, re, I have to think about that. So I, I have a, from a worse standpoint, and by the way, I'm open and willing to go back and have a completely different experience because uh, I I've, I've now have a lot of friends in this country. And I didn't at that time, but my travel to India was, uh, was really, really interesting. For the reason that you're talking about, the pollution and the smell and the poverty and uh, watching people wash their clothes in, uh, in bodies of water that sewage in it. Yeah. It just, uh, I, I felt that I need to help some way, somehow. But it was so impoverished. And, and then I, I had this dichotomy where you can see the wealth. I'll tell a little quick story. So it was, uh, I see people building bridges or using pulleys and bamboo and, and kids and breaking rocks, or, you know, sitting on the street and women carrying bricks in their heads and mm. everybody's participating. And it's like really menial labor. And we go to the office and meet a, a, one of the executives of the, at this office. And he's showing me a model. By the way, modern building two stories. There's a guy who's like uh, three foot eight in the elevator and he barely looks at you. And he sits in the elevator all day, just going from floor one and two. That's mm -hmm. his only job. I get there. There is only job of these other two guys. It's, uh, two guys serve me coffee and a biscuit and they do it every 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. That's their job. And then uh, like he shows me, goes in his office, shows me this model, this 3D model 
that he has of the home that he's building on the beach. And he's like, oh, don't worry. You know, uh, I'm going to have heavy machinery and it's going to be modern, all that other stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, what, you know, what the fuck? You, you, like, there's so much poverty here. You're right. building this multi-million dollar home. Why don't you give back and rise, the, you know, help, help rise the tide and get people contributing? And uh, it didn't make any sense to me. And then uh, I asked him about the guy in the elevator. And he's like, we have a billion people. So we just try to put people to work. He gets like a dollar a day or a dollar a week or some of that. And his only job is to push the buttons. Otherwise, he would be on the street. So mm. he did try to put people to work. But I, yeah, I found that to be a very interesting, very dirty, very polluted, very loud, like massive amounts of people. But there was a spiritual part of it down south of India that I you know, visited that I connected to. So there was different, depends where you go, but that was my India experience. Uh, best places, it's hard because, uh, I mean, Cape Town, South Africa was just amazing. I wish I could spend a lot more time and, and I will make sure I go back because now I made friends there. I had an incredible time in Barcelona, mm. one of my favorite places in the world, just Spain in general. I, I love the energy of Spain fits me. Like if I were to live in any other place and not full time, it reminds me of that LA vibe in a way, because it has, there's culture and there's music and there's uh, beaches and, and just the people. And I found yeah. it wonderful. And I, I could go to dinner at 10 o'clock at night and I don't no problem with it and, and, you know, break into a spontaneous jam sessions on, on the street at midnight. And I was just fantastic. And I was there during the world cup. Oh, wow. So made it even better. So everybody from all over the world. Was it the year they won? People, didn't they win the World Cup? One? No, no, no they, didn't, they didn't. No, they didn't win the cup that year. They lost to Russia mm-hmm. um, that year, but they didn't. They went to the. I yeah, that's exciting though. To be in Europe during the World Cup is just—it was insane. just amazing. So, uh, but speaking of cannabis, so this was my experience with uh, with cannabis, and and by the way, now I'm putting it out there, but I I usually travel with my own. So, I don't know if it's a good thing to say, but I, I've, uh, for all you DEA I, agents listening for all you yes, uh, customs I, I, I travel with my own, it's medicine for me. I have to, you know, I need it. So if, uh, I have a medical card, so yeah, if uh, okay. anybody wants to take away my medicine, you know, that's, that's, uh, understandable. And that but, works internationally, huh? No, it doesn't work anywhere. It yeah. doesn't even work here, but I just have it for my <laughs> yeah, own just in case. safety and security that it's my, it's my go-to medicine. Here's the thing that I wanted to uh, tell a story. So I went, and I don't think my parents know this or anybody, whoever listens to it, it's a, it's a reveal, but I have a, I went on vacation. So I meet my parents usually once a year uh, with my daughter and we meet at a place, uh, not during COVID now, but we usually meet at some place. Uh, so like Jamaica, we went and met them and this was Mexico all-inclusive in uh, Puerto Vallarta. And uh, we stayed at the resort and it was nice. I had a friend who had a timeshare in Mexico. He's like, hey, I'm bored. Why don't I come down for a few days? We'll hang out. I'm like, all right. So he had a place. And the first night he came over to my place. We hung out and it was great. And he's like, let's go out in the city. I'm like, okay, let's go out in the city. So we go out in the city and uh, we hit some bars and we start drinking. And it's like two for one cerveza. You know how it is in Mexico. Mm-hmm. It's always like two for one and mm-hmm. deals. And we're drinking a little bit. I'm not big of a drinker. So we walked out. I'm like, uh, let's smoke a joint. And uh, we smoked the joint by the water over there. And then he had an idea. He wanted to go to this club uh, or some bar that's local that he knew. And he, we got surrounded by uh, cab drivers. And it felt really weird. So I'm like, let's just keep walking. And then uh, I walked over to another cab driver. I'm like, hey, uh, can you take us so-and-so? And he started getting frantic and like waving at me. No, 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 go here, go, 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 go. And we turn around and start walking. All of a sudden, there's a guy that runs 
and grabs me and punches me in the side. Yikes. Throws me against the car and handcuffs me. And uh, does the same thing to my friend uh, without the punch. You got the punch. That was nice. Yeah, well, I got punched. I'll tell you, I got more than punched. I didn't realize it at the time. So it was uh, the local police, not the not the federales, but the local police. He begins to say, hey, you know, drug, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't have any drugs because I, I finished my joint. And he's like, oh, and he's, it's, big, it's a big panic. He's on the walkie-talkie. He's calling uh, Paddy Wagon and his partners over there. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm scared because, you know, I'm with my family. Fuck, I don't want to go to a Mexican jail. Mm. Well, I don't know what they have going on. Right. And so it, it, there's all this commotion. There's people. And he starts going into my pockets. I mean, I had a multivitamin. I usually, when I travel, I take, like, I take supplements anyway. But I took that and I had it in my pocket just in case in Mexico. And he pulled it out. And he's like, oh, I found the drug, drug, you know, in Spanish. But I kind of understood. I'm like, it's a vitamin. Mm. And uh, it goes... No, no, no. I'm like, I'll take it right in front of you. He goes, no. I'm like, you take it and see what happens to you. No. And he found the drug. He had evidence. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, fuck. Okay. Then he starts going to my pockets. And when he pulled out my wallet, I don't know, something possessed me to start yelling. And I was like, hey, you're stealing. You're robbing me. You're taking my money. You're stealing. And I'm yelling it really loud. And there's a crowd yeah. around me. So he took my wallet and put it back in my pocket. And at that time, I was like, aha, let me get clear on this. So I asked him, I'm like, hey, you want dinero, eh, money? He goes, see. Sí. I'm like, okay, unhandcuff me. So he uh, took off one handcuff. I go in my pocket, and I knew I had 20s. So I counted out five 20s without like, showing my money, and I gave him five 20s. And then he went to talk to his other guy, and he's like, I got 100. What do you think? And they had a discussion about it, and then they let us go. The moral of the story, I went back to talk to the concierge in my hotel, and I was like telling the story. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's phase one. You got away with phase one. I'm like, What do you mean? It's a whole racket. Mm-hmm. So phase one is when they get you like that and they scare you and you just pay them. Phase two is when you actually don't realize that get driven in a paddy wagon and then, uh, you know, stop by an ATM. And phase three, we talked about this before, is the the, the Mexican jail uh, where they have to wire you. Somebody wires you money. So I'm not a big fan of Mexico, even though they're legalizing cannabis. But that yeah, I think we've talked about they, the corruption there. Is yeah, the is corruption rampant. is ridiculous. And in that in the, yeah, and I've, uh, I've t- discussed this before. But that that was uh, an experience with cannabis, which I won't forget. But in South Africa, we had a different experience. When I got there, they asked me if I've tried the Durban poison yet, and it was like eight thirty in the morning, <laughs> and I said no. So somebody just handed me like a handful of Durban poison and put it in my pocket. I'm like, here we go. So, yeah, you're like my kind of country. I mean, I remember, so I was in Japan last Thanksgiving. I brought CBD with me, CBD, not THC. And I was reading in the, on the plane over there, reading that it's like CBD is an illegal substance in Japan. And and I know it's in my backpack. And then when we went, had to go through security, you know, to leave the, you know, when you enter and sometimes they they flag you and had even though you've already gone through security once, they'll make you go through it again when you land in the country. And I remember... And I'm with my family, right? And I didn't even want to tell my wife because I know she would just be so mad at me. So I have this CBD in my backpack and I'm like, I'm going to get arrested. And I, you know, I'm like trying to go through the security line. They're like, you. And they kind of like called me out, like to put my bag through. So I'm like 
it's like midnight express for me. I'm like, I'm like sweating, you know, <laughs> like completely panicked that they're going to bust me with CBD. And they went through my bag and they just, they didn't say anything. They didn't even, I don't think they even noticed because I mean, thankfully the way CBD and stuff is packaged now, it looks like, you know, a vitamin. It doesn't look like, uh, yeah. like anything illegal. I didn't have it in a canister of a, a film canister anyway so that's my i think my one drug story is it's more the what i was worried was going to happen to me and of course i wouldn't you know being in a japanese prison is probably a little less scary than being in a but a prison is prison mexican mexican oh, yeah. prison but mexican. uh and yeah that would have probably put a real damper on the trip had i been oh, arrested yeah. what'd you do i went to japan but i smuggled cbd into the country and uh, yeah, now I don't think I don't think marijuana will ever be legal in, in Japan. They have such. I a think stigma. it will be. You think, think so? Yeah, I spoke. I spoke at a virtual conference there, like a neuroscience conference, and they're really trying to study the effects of cannabis on Interesting. Uh, neuroscience. So it was all scientists, and we're just presenting. And me, I'm not a science I mean, guy. I, that I mean, that's interesting to me. They're very behind, and they're sort of, um, you know, obviously in the drug stuff, but also even in their pharmaceuticals, like. I forgot, this is a disaster, but I, I take like an anti-anxiety medication and I forgot it. I, I, I brought a canister of it that was empty. And so I get to Japan and I'm opening this thing up and I'm like, oh my God, I have no, I don't have my meds for 10 days, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, I, I, and it ended up being fine, but I was, I went to like Japanese hospitals to see if I could get a refill or whatever. And they were like, they hadn't even heard of the drugs. You know, it was like, and it's like Zoloft, you know, it's not a, yeah, it's not a complicated pharmaceutical I, that amazed me. Like nobody in Japan is on freaking Zoloft or Paxil. <laughs> you know, they're... Well, they they do have a very very high suicide rate. Yeah, maybe maybe there should be more Zoloft. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I think uh, you know the the they have that whole forest. You know, you know what I'm talking. Yeah, about? of course. Yeah, and the, the YouTube guy got in trouble for going in there and. Exactly. Yeah, I know. And I lived in Japan for a year, and there was there's a certain time of year when everybody jumps in front of trains, and it's it's horrible. Exactly. It's crazy. So. Um, I think cannabis would be very helpful, actually. Well, there. that's but why I'm, there is a huge stigma, thinking. yeah, against it in their yeah, culture. There is a huge stigma. That's why I'm thinking if we can get and they're focused on science right now. So mm -hmm. if we can get them, and they understand it's plant medicine because the. But if we can get them to start seeing the evidence and connect with them on that, I think that would be great. I think uh, that's that's our episode. Is that a wrap? Yeah, is that a wrap? Well, that what uh, you get episode. everything and everything is personal. You got you got Zeta. Then you yeah. get some covers and listen, yeah. send us, you know, in the comments below on this YouTube video, send us your best and worst covers because it just could go on and on and on. In fact, we could do an entire podcast on covers. It's fascinating. Yeah. And, and any, and uh, send us any of your uh, cannabis experiences. Uh, if you've traveled somewhere and had an interesting experience. Uh, love yeah. To where share where that, should we not go? Stories. Yeah. Where should we yeah. go to smoke cannabis and where should we not go to smoke cannabis? Yeah. I forgot. I, I think I, I talked about this before that my, my Mexico story, but uh, I had a burn on my side for three months. So when he hit me with a, a thing, he hit me with uh, like this electro cattle prod Holy and shit. it actually left a burn on my rib. That's Jesus. why it hurt so bad. I'm like, oh man, the guy punched me, but it didn't feel like just a regular punch. It felt so, like something different. And I didn't really realize it until I lifted my shirt and I had, for three months, I had this triangular burn on my side. That's this episode brought to you by the Tourism <laughs> Association of Mexico. Come to Mexico and enjoy the sights. Yeah. That's it. That's it. <laughs> this was great. It was great. Uh, thank, thank you. you. As uh, usual, this is a lot of fun. Everyone, please leave your comments, subscribe, 
you know, whatever else you think uh, that you want us to cover. And uh, we'll see you next time on Everything is Personal. Big up. <laughs> Peace. That's Thanks, man. listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.